Welcome to Close Horse, the podcast that drank a lot of coffee at an early age. <laughs> I'm your host, Amanda. Often when someone messages me on Instagram about the show, I ask, what kind of things would you like me to cover? And almost always the response is sizing and why no one makes clothes in all sizes. Well, today we are talking about all that and more with my friend Meredith, a career technical designer and an adjunct instructor at FITM in Los Angeles. As I edited the episode, I realized that I did not ask Meredith to explain what a technical designer does, which is, sorry, sometimes I just really get caught up in the moment. So here's my best stab at it. So a fashion designer, you know about that. We've had some of them on here. We have like Danny and Michelle, for example. They come up with the concepts for the designs. So this is the more creative aspect of it, although I think the technical designer has to think creatively as they bring this style to life. A technical designer executes the design that was created by the fashion designer by fitting it, creating the tech packs, coming up with patterns, working with production in the factory to get the right garment. It's quite a journey. So as a technical designer, Meredith is an expert on fit. Today, we're going to be talking about sizing and what it means, or to be honest, what it doesn't mean. And on the next episode, we'll get into how a garment is fit and the challenges of offering extended sizes. So you know how it goes when you're shopping. You go into the store that you shop at all the time, right? You're always there and you grab your usual size in a few things. You've been shopping at this place forever, right? So you know your size. You go into the fitting room and well, one is too big. One thing is just right. One is like falling off on the shoulders, but somehow you still can't zip it. And another one is flattening your boobs into like a rectangle and you can't lift your arms. But all of these things were the same size, or at least the labels said they were the same size. And, you know, like, how does that happen? Because it makes you feel terrible, right? Or let's say at this store where you started your shopping, your size medium. You go down the street to Old Navy and suddenly you're an extra small there. <laughs> and that kind of boosts your self-esteem, even though, it, you know, you don't want to seem shallow, but, you know, it does. <laughs> Next, you go to another store and at that place, you need like a large or an extra large. So now you feel like a total monster because you went up like three sizes from the previous store. And once again, like you don't want to be that person, but those feelings are real. I mean, I've been there. We've all been there. Research has indicated that most women wear about three different sizes, three different sizes, while men typically go between two sizes. And it's not because our bodies are changing sizes all the time. It's literally like if you went shopping in one day, you might find yourself needing three different sizes. Size is so loaded. Like, it's so emotional, it's so personal, it's so tied into our self-esteem, which I hate. When I was researching this episode, I would find a lot of, you know, Quora questions that were like, is a size four skinny? Is a size six fat? How do I know I'm fat? I wear a size eight. And, and that just kills me because these are just these numbers, right? And they're so connected with how we feel about ourselves. But the reality is that size means nothing. And not just in a figurative sense, like literally size means nothing. Because each brand or retailer kind of determines their own sizing and fit. And many retailers aren't even consistent with that. In fact, I would say that one sign that a retailer is fast fashion is that their sizing is all over the place. So that first place I mentioned shopping earlier where you tried on several different things and they all did or did not fit you in different ways. Definitely a fast fashion retailer, for sure. And why do I say that? Well, because these fast fashion retailers are rushing the stuff into the stores so fast that they can't even take the time to fit it properly. And we'll go into that on our next episode with Meredith, but it's a process and it takes time. You know, there's samples coming back and forth and constant revisions. And if you cut that process in terms of the time required, you're not fitting the garment. It's a mega bummer to me because we're so hung up on the idea of size, of certain sizes being superior to others, that finding you can't fit into your quote usual size can ruin an entire day or a week. 
it has the power to make you feel terrible about yourself because sizing gets us right at our like emotional self-esteem core. When you hear that it kind of means nothing, I mean, I still haven't been able to convince my brain of that and yet I've been doing all this research about it. That's how deeply rooted inside our psyche, this idea of size being something that we need to worry about. That's, it's so deep inside our brains. Well, research from TrueFit, which is a tech company that is working to solve these fit problems, shows that the actual waistband measurement of a pair of women's size six or 28 jeans can vary by more than five inches, depending on the brand. Five inches, guys. And that variance increases when grouping together different rises from low to high. So like high-waisted versus low-rise versus mid-rise, that kind of thing. In fact, they found a six and a half inch variance in the waists of high-rise jeans. That's half a foot, guys. That's a lot. Like, How are you supposed to find the right size when you're clearly being set up for failure? And once again, sizing is so deep inside our brains. Like this is not good. The psychological impacts are terrible, but we also need to think about the environmental impacts of all these sizing issues. In the U.S., about 20% of all clothes are bought online and that was pre-COVID. So I'm assuming it's much higher now because people aren't shopping as much. And I don't even think you can really try on clothes in most states. 41% of shoppers buy multiple sizes and items with the intention of returning some or most of them because, well, you know, sizing is so hard to figure out. I mean, I think we take it for granted now that of course we're going to order something in multiple sizes, right? I don't even think about it. It's just my automatic go-to. It's not like a strategy or anything. Well, After we sort out what does or does not fit, then we have to return the rest. And that increases the carbon footprint of what we just bought. So that's bad enough. We're basically doubling the carbon footprint of these garments. Furthermore, as we revealed in our e-commerce episodes with Kim, most of these returns are not put back into inventory for another customer to buy. It's just too expensive from the retailer's perspective to inspect them all for damage, repackage them, and return them to the inventory. And I'm not saying that's okay, but that's what's happening. Instead, they're often destroyed, sent to the landfill, sold off to jobbers and resellers. Five billion pounds of returned goods end up in U.S. landfills each year. So all in all, this problem with inconsistent sizing and fit is leading to a ton of energy consumption and just general waste of materials. But once again... I'm not telling you that you should only order one size because most likely it's not going to fit you and you're going to return it anyway. So I understand buying multiple sizes. And as the system exists right now, it makes sense. So this leads us to one major point. We need to add consistent and thoughtful sizing to the list of things we must demand from retailers. I think we could get this problem under control if we could eliminate the fast fashion industry because They're a big part of all this. They rush product through the pipeline so fast that there's no chance to fit it properly. And to be honest, they don't care about consistent sizes anyway. That's not the point of the game, right? It's about getting us to buy more and more stuff. If a big chunk of it doesn't fit well, well then, you know, we don't want to wear it as long. And then guess what? We'll buy more stuff. Another example of planned obsolescence by the fashion industry. And as a reminder, the entire industry has been pushed into this faster and faster, less checking and fitting, less time to get it right kind of model. More of the industry is fast fashion now in 2020 than not. So once again, it comes back to our motto. Don't give money to assholes, especially assholes who make you feel bad about your body. Okay, well, enough of me. Let's get into our conversation with Meredith. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm really excited to have Meredith here because one of the episodes that people all over the internet ask for most of all is an episode about sizing and fit. And finally, Here it is with Meredith. Meredith comes from ModCloth, so she is like, I feel ModCloth like sets the tone for the industry in terms of sizing. So 
she's the right person to have here today. Hi. Meredith, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's good to be here, your resident fit expert. Um, I have many, many, many years of fitting experience. Um, I got through college and I realized that I was perhaps a little bit too nerdy to be a fashion designer and <laughs> found my what? way. Yes. I, I think that's originally what I wanted to do. I believe that's what I set out to do. But when I was in school, we took a tech pack class and I had no idea what a tech pack was or what the purpose of one was. And I immediately fell in love and I knew it was the right thing because every other girl at my school hated that class and I loved yeah. it. So I knew, I always felt like a little bit of an outsider there and I, I knew I had found my home when I took that tech pack class and I was like, oh wow, specking and you know, really getting into patterns and all of that fun stuff, the, the nerdy side of fashion as we like to call it. So um, I've, I've fit for many companies, different size ranges, different brands, um, kind of a little bit of everything. So I've seen it all. I've seen it all and I'm happy to share <laughs> the wealth of information that lies in my head. Awesome. Well, we have a lot of things to talk about, like sizing could be its own show. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. So I have some facts to set the tone for our conversation and get everyone amped. Yes. First off, let's get amped. Let's get amped. So first, Woo! <laughs> super amped. So as we discussed in our previous e-commerce episode, more than half of all online return clothing is returned because of the fit. Either it's too big or it's too small. And that doesn't capture returns that kind of fit, but not well, or maybe they weren't flattering. You all know. It's like, yeah, it technically fits me in the chest, but my boobs are square now, or, you know, like I have a weird extra pouch in my crotch or the waist is too <laughs> high or low. I mean, it's like, you you wouldn't say like, uh, it's not like it doesn't fit. It's just not ideal, right? Right, exactly. So, so that's one part of fit and sizing that is just so complicated. Next, and this is the thing that people ask me about most uh, who reach out to me at Close Horse. Uh, they want to know, like, what's the deal with extended sizing? So the average American woman today is actually between a size 16 to 18. We're going to talk about this more, but the reality is that most clothing brands don't make clothes those sizes. And that's the average woman. So yes, there are women that are smaller. There are women that are larger. This is us saying, like, here's the middle, right? Yes. In fact, 67% of women wear plus-size clothing. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Meredith, but for a lot of brands, wouldn't 16 end up be considered plus? I know some places might say 14. Yeah, it, 16, 18 is, is kind of the gateway. Um, and it, But as we'll discuss, it, it really varies between uh, company to company. So, But yeah, around 16 to 18 would, would begin plus-size. So retailers and brands are actually missing a huge chunk of business by not extending sizes. And like, I'm going to say this from my personal experience. Every brand I've worked for, I've been that person who sits in the meeting and I'm like, you guys are being so stupid right now. You're leaving <laughs> so much money on the table, right? Yes. Yes. Research shows that the retail market for plus size women has grown 17% since 2003 and it continues to grow year over year over year. And there's a $20 billion gap in the market. So basically all these brands who aren't selling more sizes are leaving $20 billion on the table. That's so That's much pennies. money. Yeah, yeah. Just little pennies. MBD, MBD, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, a majority of brands stop at size 12. There's some who go to 14. And I've actually seen, and this really grinds my gears, an increase in brands that stop at size 8 or 10. Like Love Shack mm. Fancy is one that I can think of. And I'm like, what are you – you guys are being assholes. <laughs> Do you remember the 579? <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget? Who could forget? Yes. A store that only sells three sizes and they're mm. junior sized. God bless the 90s. Yeah. I, I don't know how they went out of business. <laughs> it really baffles me. I have no idea. Yeah. It's so bizarre. I need to do some research into that brand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into 579. Yeah. We need to know the story, the concept, yes. the downfall. I would listen to that, absolutely. 65% <laughs> of women of all sizes agreed that plus-size women are ignored by the fashion industry, which we know to be hella true. Mm -hmm. 
More than 80% of plus-size women said they'd spend more if they had more clothing options in their size, and almost 90% said they'd buy even more if they had trendier options. And this is something that I have experienced as a buyer when I've gone to market and tried to buy more stuff in more sizes, is that the options in plus sizes are either like kind of like hoochie and like sexy, not really (laughs) anything you could wear to work. Or they're like really mature. Dowdy. Dowdy. Or they're like for juniors, but not necessarily Uh hoochie. I'm thinking of like Torrid. And so if you're like a 30-year-old stylish plus size woman, like I I mean, I know some places you can shop, but you don't have very many options, right? There's very few. Very few. So a few years ago, Tim Gunn wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post that like lit up the internet. And it there were some problems with it. Like he felt that women plus size women should be dressed to look taller, thinner, optical illusions like that, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe in those kinds of rules. I think everybody should wear what they feel, what feels great. But he did really sum up how the industry is failing women. He said, despite the huge financial potential of this market, many designers don't want to address it. It's not in their vocabulary. Today's designers operate within paradigms that were established decades ago, including anachronistic sizing, which we're going to talk about. And he's right. Like some people are trying to do better. You know, when when, at ModCloth, like our business was really being pushed and grown by plus sizing. It was like what was driving the business when the rest of it had plateaued. At most times, yes. (laughs) Yes, right? And it was because we were offering something that nobody else was. Absolutely. And I think it – what you were saying before about not having something that was super slutty or super dowdy, somewhere in between, Mod Cloth really filled that void. Uh, it was a very unique message and a unique brand and a unique position. And I think the the audience for it was there and they really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were able to actually get vendors who had never made plus size before, who were very close to it to open their minds to it and build a business for themselves as well. Yes, definitely. We onboarded a lot of people. And there's a story that I tell people all the time when I'm talking about extended sizing and actually just happened a few years ago. I was at Magic and I went to a booth for a brand that we used to buy from at ModCloth. They actually made some of our biggest branded programs in dresses. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so I went to see them at Magic for my most recent job because – I knew that they did plus sizes and, you know, that was a big part of what we wanted to offer. We wanted to be able to dress everyone. And the owner was there who I'd never actually met before. Strangely enough, I worked with the person who was like the president and I thought she was the owner. It turns out she wasn't. Uh, And I was like, so yeah, like we looked around the booth and I was like, so where are the extended sizes? Like, is it all, are all styles just available extended? And she was like, what do you mean by that? Like extra large? And I was like, no, I mean like plus sizes. And she's like, oh no, we don't do that. And I was like, what you did for us at mod cloth, like, like gangbusters. And she looked really confused. And then she said, do bigger people even buy clothes? (gasps) What? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no, of course not. They just wear air. Yeah. It's very comfortable. Fits everyone. And I feel like, you know, the thing is like, I've worked places where everybody was basically saying that in meetings, but they were dancing around it and trying to Mm -hmm. use less negative words. The word that I always heard people use was aspirational. It's just not aspirational. Yes. You know? Yep. It's just fat phobia. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I know. Why would you aspire to be that? It's not what we're about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So with that, let's get into talking about some sizing here. Let's do that. So sizing seems random. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> well, uh, that would be a correct assumption and observation. <laughs> Very astute. Uh, it's it's super common, even within brands that you've shopped for and shopped with for years. You can easily go back in and try on, let's say for for denim. You know, let's say you have one brand you really like. Um, I know you don't wear pants, but if you did, you would probably <laughs> follow, follow one brand that you really like over the years. This has happened to me many, many times where I know my size, I know the style, I know the fit, and I just want a replacement. Mm-hmm. And I go in 
I'm all excited. I don't, you know, I don't even have to try it on. I just need to go in the store or order it online and it should show up and should fit, right? Uh, especially when it's a program that you know they've been running forever. Like I can think of, I used to work at Express in the in the mall and Express <laughs> Fashion had the uh, the editor pant. Oh, and yeah. I know this classic. Yeah. Oh, we all know this pant. We all know it. It's evolved over the years. They added like a like the architect and like a bunch of other variations <laughs> of it. You know, all dumb names, but you should <laughs> be able to go. They're aspirational, like, you know. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be an architect today, and you know, today I actually feel like I'm an editor, so I'm going to go with editor. It's a, <laughs> a straight leg pan. It comes in pinstripe. It's a very stretchy fabric. It's wonderful, and I need another pair. So I'm going into Express Fashion with the intent that these are going to fit exactly like they fit. Uh, two years ago. And I go in, I just buy them, don't even try try them on, get them home and realize, uh-oh, <laughs> either I've changed or the sizing's changed or maybe both and the pants don't fit. So this is super common. Even you even you think like a brand would just continue on yeah. year after year, yeah. same fit. That does not happen. And I've seen that firsthand at many brands that I've worked at as well. So it's, it's crazy. And, you know, it really makes you think what is a size? You know, it is – is it just super arbitrary? Is there any kind of guideline, any kind of standardization? And, you know, honestly, the answer is no. <laughs> People have tried in the past a few times. Uh, the whole reason why we have uh, alpha sizing was kind of born out of us shifting gears from making our own clothes or, you know, having a dressmaker make you one item custom fit to you to what we consider today to be ready to wear garments that you can just go into a store and buy off the rack and assume that they're going to fit you. Mm -hmm. This is a modern invention, right? This is not something that's been around for a very long time. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like maybe that's why it's so bad. (laughs) It's going to, it's going to take a couple centuries to get it but right. I don't know. You know, I, I think uh, when we get to the point where uh, none of us have jobs in apparel anymore and it, everything's 3D printed and made to fit you, then then we'll have a different conversation. But, <laughs> you know, uh, until then, so, so many variables are involved. So, you know, even if you were to do a study today of women's bodies and maybe develop some kind of quote unquote standard from that, we all know that the human body is changing, the average changes over time. So unless you continually update those standards, they'll be out of date pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's hard. It's hard. It's like, how, how do you do that? How do you standardize women's clothing? And I honestly don't have an answer. Yeah. I mean, me neither. <laughs> you know, online shopping has made this even more challenging because people aren't trying stuff on. Yes. So you can use the size chart, but they never are right. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, and it's too, size charts are really tricky because, you know, it'll have a range of measurements and they're body measurements. So Mm -hmm. you should measure yourself to the best of your ability and determine your measurements, but that's just a generic size chart. So there's a lot of problems with that. The website that you're shopping on could carry multiple brands, like a mod cloth, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the size chart that's supposed to be indicative of general sizing. But when you're buying from 10 different people, the fit's going to be different across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also within the same brand, let's say you're shopping at like a lucky brand and it's all their label, everything that's available for purchase has their label on it. Well, every style is different. Every fabrication is different. And trust me, I have sent many styles into production where you're like, ooh, it's going to fit somebody. (laughs) Uh, You know, we can talk about the fit process later, but yes, there are uh, quote unquote clothing lemons that get released into the wild. Oh, are Um, there. (laughs) Very much so. And we do, as technical designers, do our very best to ensure that we put the best product out there. But you know, it just doesn't happen every time. (laughs) So that's why side charts they're they're good to have and anytime I work with somebody on sizing that doesn't have one I have them start there because if you don't know 
what you want to consider a medium to be and who she is and how things should fit on that size, then you're mm-hmm. going to be kind of shooting in the dark. Totally. So it's size charts are very helpful, but only to a certain extent, you know, it's, you really have to look at the garment and really analyze, like, is this supposed to be oversized? Is it supposed to be fitted? Is Mm -hmm. it stretchy? Is it not stretchy? All these things kind of go into whether or not it's going to fit you right. It's interesting. The point you brought up about like going in and buying the same pants again and it being totally different. Yes. Why, Why does that happen? Oh dear. Uh, so many reasons. Uh, it could be something as minuscule as there's a new manager, it, whether it be in the fit department or even in the design department. I've had uh, like a design director who was an extra, extra small. She was very, very petite and small. We adjusted our grade rule so that the extra small fit her when technically it shouldn't have fit her because she was that Mm -hmm. tiny and in our size range, it just didn't make sense. But we adapted the fit of that one size just so that it fit her. So it could be something completely (laughs) random like that. Um, You know, as much as uh, brands try, we tried to use fit blocks to ensure consistency between styles Sometimes mm-hmm. things get messed up. You get caught up in a super trendy style and you end up altering the rise of a pant. And that's all it takes. If you if you change the rise by a half an inch, you've changed the fit completely. So it's super easy. It's actually, yeah. unfortunately, really, really easy to mess the fit up. Uh, it could be someone just miss miss keen in a measurement and then it goes into production or oh my gosh putting the wrong grade <laughs> rule that's happened before actually if one of my favorite grade rule mess ups to see i mean obviously it was not a good thing for the company but um the the length measurement is a romper and the length oh no yeah, <laughs> you already know where this is going for um, yeah <laughs> rompers are challenging in general but the, instead of like the overall length getting longer, like all of the length was put into the rise grade. So that means like the seam that like goes around your crotch essentially from the front of your waist to your back of your waist had this insane grade. So it basically like went from a normal size romper to like this weird dropped crotch, like yoga, yogi style. Like, and it had some like conversational print on it. So it was extra funny because there's no way it would sell to anybody looking like that. <laughs> but things like that happen, you know? So, and right. obviously like something like that never made it uh, to the website, thankfully. <clears throat> it was caught once the goods had arrived. But, you know, stuff like that happens. And, you know, it's it's a lot of human error that leads to sizes being messed up at your favorite brands. So that's, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> I mean, and it's so interesting to me because you and I both know situations in our career where ill-fitting garments have made their way out into the world, right? Where they were not going to fit almost anyone. But we, especially as women, but all all humans, we are so hung up on how things fit us that if we buy something in our size and it doesn't fit us, it's Mm -hmm. too small, for example, Mm -hmm. or weird – Instead of saying like this is the garment's fault, it's always like it's us. It's, it's us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My body is wrong. Yes. I'm I'm gross. Yes. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. And it's so infuriating. Everyone who's listening just needs to know that when you buy something, it doesn't fit you, you're probably not the problem. It's not you. It's not you. It's the garment. A hundred percent. Please, please heed that advice. And I also would say sometimes if you're trying something on and let's say you are at a brand where you're like, this is this is my fit. I've shopped with them for years. If one doesn't fit you in a particular size, grab another mm-hmm. because there can be variance in measurements from garment to garment. Once again, these are made by humans, not by robots for the time being. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's totally possible to have something that is an inch different in the width than the next one. And it's the exact same size. So sometimes it could be something as minuscule as that. So it's not you, it's your clothes. Okay. Break up with that. Just break up. With that. Totally. And I will also add this anecdote from my career. I worked for a company, we made a lot of suiting, so pants and blazers and whatnot. And while the price point didn't feel like fast fashion, it was fast fashion. It was made by 
a fast fashion vendor and the quality was what we expect from fast fashion. And, yes. you know, we had been extending sizes we'd added an extra large, we were adding a 2XL and we kept getting feedback from customers that was like, listen, I... I cannot even get my my leg into these extra larges. I can't figure out what's going on. And so the vendor kept assuring me like, no, no, we followed, we followed the fit guide, blah, blah, blah. We did the grading, like you said. And so I brought in a consultant who like, that's all she does. She's a fit tech. And we literally pulled one sample of every single size of every single fabric of every single garment, like boxes and boxes. And she took them home and measured them. And when she came back with, tons of charts. It was a very thorough. Basically, yes. the, what came to light is that in many situations, not every garment, but often medium, large, and extra large were having the same measurements. Oh, no. And she, she said that this is very common in the world of fast fashion, especially if the vendor is pushing on the factory on cost, they are going to do everything they can to get as many garments out of the fabric as possible. And so they may not buy enough fabric to execute the sizes as they are, but they'll sew the labels in. And she said, you know, like this, this is like not someone you want to be working with basically. Like this is bad. And I was like, yeah, I mean, think of all the people who came in that were a large or a medium and couldn't fit into the, even the extra large and were beating themselves up over this. I mean, this is terrible. So once again, I would ask you not to blame yourself, but I would say push back on that brand yes. because that's unacceptable. And even for me in, in that in the position that I was in, for me to push on the rest of the team and be like, we can't do this anymore was really, really hard because the attitude there was like, well, if it's the smaller sizes, oh, Jesus, that was, that was the end of the conversation for them. Like, so that's I know such a big problem. I mean, I, I wouldn't even consider medium, large, extra large to be large sizes anyways. So, I mean, that whole thing is just moot anyways. But I, it, it's such a problem if you're going to have a vendor who has complete disregard for sizing and the reason why mm -hmm. you have sizes. Obviously, the smaller pieces, pattern pieces you have, the more you can fit onto your marker. But I've never had that happen. To, oh, my goodness. That is just atrocious. It's also yeah. It's also like a lot of work because if you had already graded the pattern and you're ready to go, and then the factory was just like, ah, you know what? Screw these other sizes. We're just gonna make them all the same. <laughs> like they would have had to go in and change, like alter things to make that happen. Like they, I know, it's so crazy when these factories make mistakes or decide to do things that you don't authorize them to do. And when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, you actually made it more work for yourself. Like, I can see you wanting to cut corners as one thing. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, you're like, man, you, you actually did more work. So I'm not sure who you helped out here. Yeah, yeah. And I would say also, like, there was an era in the industry when brands and retailers were doing a lot of QA when they received the order. Like, they would do an arbitrary sampling of most things, measure it, make sure it was fine to sell. That doesn't happen anymore. Like I'm saying that change has happened within the last 10 years where yeah, fashion is moving so fast and there's such a race so to get fast. it out to the customer that no one's stopping to see that the medium large and the extra large are actually all the same size. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally. It's, it's, you know, it's that thing where like one shoe has to drop if, if it's, it's either quality or time, you know, if you're pushing the time, then your quality is going to go down and things like this are going to happen. And it is so crazy to me. I've worked at so many places who have toyed around with their calendar and the consistent thread across all brands and all companies I've worked for is it's just gotten faster and mm -hmm. faster oh, and faster. It's crazy. How, where can we it's cut out time? Where can, you know, where, where can we save a week, a day, a minute? <laughs> it's insane. It is. It is. It's like, okay, we're going to cut out a fitting. We're going to get a sample that we don't think is that great, but we're going to say, make these changes and move into production. Whereas in the past we would have said, okay, the sample needs a lot of work. Yes. Here's our notes. Send us another sample and we'll check that out. And now we're saying, here's our notes, just fix it and ship it. Yes. Like we're not double checking. And, you know, in the era of when we would do multiple samples to try to get it right, it would take a long time. Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't – sending the notes isn't enough to fix it. No. Uh, <laughs> I wish. And that, Yeah, if only. So if you start cutting out each sample you cut out of the process, the more likely it is 
to not be good, you know? Yeah. And there are brands that are going straight to production. That's They're insane. like, this is close. Yep. Just do what we did the last time. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sizing is like all over the place. Yes. And you said like basically everybody has their own sizing, but like why, why isn't the government like, Hey, everyone <laughs> do this size? Because like, you know, I, not that I'm an expert here, but like, for example, there's a whole agency that makes sure that like a gallon of gas is really a gallon and right. like they audit gas stations, you know, and like a pound is really a pound and you're not like taking an ounce off there to like fleece your consumers or something. Why isn't like the country, like, hey, could you just make all clothes the same size? Here are the rules. You would think, you know, America with all of our arbitrary ways of measuring that we would have also <laughs> nailed down sizing in some way. Like it wouldn't make sense to anyone else but Americans, but we would have figured it out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think that's a good point too, just to call out that like, I mean, if you've shopped at all, there's US sizing and European sizing mm-hmm. and there's Japanese sizing and Australian sizing and there's probably all kinds of sizing I'm not even thinking of. So it's yes. even more ridiculous. But I know that we as a world can't get together and all do the size together because yeah. we <laughs> can't even size. agree on the metric system, right? But <laughs> why can't we do the size here in the United States? Well, you know, like I said, we've we've tried, you know, I don't know how valiant the efforts have been in the past, but, but we've tried. Um, like I said, the advent of ready-to-wear clothing kind of spurred on this idea of what a size is because prior to that, you just had something made exactly to yourself or you made it for yourself. Uh, you know, personally, you, you sat behind a sewing machine and, and pumped out as many clothes as you could. So it all changed when we went from this model to going to a department store and picking out a dress, right? That was mm-hmm. something that, you know, is a 20th century invention. So back in the depression era, they f- it was the first attempt to quote unquote standardize sizing. And Essentially, what happened was they just sent a bunch of people out. I don't even know exactly how many people were surveyed, but they sent people out to define what the standard American woman was, right? <laughs> what does oh, that God. Mean? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, what does sounds that mean? bad, right? That already sounds yeah. like we know oh. we're all so differently shaped. So, what, like, when you say standard, what does that even mean? It's, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like a mess. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So we already know we're kind of going on a fool's errand here. So, um, you know, at that point with the data that they had, they assigned these arbitrary numbers, which we have become to know as sizing, uh, based on body measurements. And, you know, I don't even know how many people they surveyed. I, you know, it was a long time ago. We, we didn't have, uh, commercial airlines being able to shuttle people around the country. So how all this data was collected, I'm not totally sure. They created the National Bureau of Standards, right? That sounds like a very uh, early 20th century (laughs) um, department that was created in the government Mm -hmm. to figure all this out. So they did what they could, and obviously times were tough. I'm not sure why they decided to tackle this during the Depression, but they did. (laughs) <laughs> I know weird. of all times I was I'm so shocked yeah maybe it was like oh we can put we can pay some people to do this work I, don't, I guess maybe I don't I'm not sure but they tried you know <laughs> they, they were doing good and they started assigning sizes and I'm not really sure what that looked like you know what the adoption was how things looked across the board but you would assume there were very few what we would consider to be national clothing brands at that time. Like it was all very regional, you know, if Mm -hmm. you go back years and years and you think about, you know, in the eighties and nineties, everyone had different department stores depending on which part of the country you lived in. Right. There's like, I grew up with Mm -hmm. Kaufman's and, you know, yeah, they got bought of course by Robinson's May down the road and everyone became Macy's at that point. But I know it's so, so crazy. Everything yes. is Macy. It's, yeah, so, it's so weird. weird. But before then, you know, and that's just a snapshot. So that growing up, you had regional stores that you could only find in your area. Mm-hmm. But if you go back even further, I mean, think about it. You had probably one or two stores where you could actually purchase clothes. So who's to say if those regional 
companies who are pumping out ready to wear clothing were they following sizing maybe i'm not i'm not sure what the adoption rate of that was i have no data to to back that up but let's just say they created these sizes they issued them out the government was like this is the standard american woman and you shall make garments <laughs> for her and her only you know they probably had pamphlets or something with propaganda i don't know i wasn't around then but that's just my best guess <laughs> Sorry. You weren't? <laughs> I do feel very old, but it's, you know, old soul, I think, not not just years. Um, so later on in the 50s, they revisited it, right? Everyone's back from war. We're happy. Things are booming. There's babies just everywhere because just people were like, yeah, let's just let's have babies. So there are kids everywhere, people everywhere. Everyone has a white picket fence. And then they decided, hey, this standard sizing, let's let's go back and revisit this. At this point, they actually had the intention of recognizing that there are different body shapes and that, you know, we we want someone to be able to go into a store and buy a size and have it to be somewhat standard across the board. So their intentions were mm-hmm. good. Um, you know, they were, yeah. were kind of headed in the direction <laughs> that we want. Uh, but once again, still a fool's errand. <laughs> we, you know, they, they established what we would consider just modern sizing. Uh, sizes range from 8 to 42. So this is something a little different, right? When When's the last time you've been able to purchase a size 42 garment? Well, I also, I'm just like, why 8? Why was eight the beginning? <laughs> this is a good question. Right? So there's all these numbers before that. This is so bizarre. So strange. That's a great question. I cannot say why, but they thought eight was great and we started there. So a size eight, I would consider to be a modern double or triple zero. Yeah. This woman has a bust of 31 inches, a waist of 23 and a half inches, and a weight of a whopping 98 pounds. So um, that was a size eight, everyone. And she was probably short. She was she was definitely shorter, the the average American height. I think now the average American woman, I believe, is like 5'5". Five, five. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a little shorter back then as well. So petite, yeah, you know, more yeah, petite definitely. figures, frames. Obviously, the food that they were eating was very different than the food that we have eaten throughout our lives, for better or for worse. They were all smoking. Um, they gave the kids coffee. They were all smoking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think it, it's a good idea, but, you know, I could see where it would have ramifications <laughs> in the negative term. I specifically remember in, I was like in fifth grade and I was in student council. We would host senior citizens at our school once a month for a lunch. It was called the Senior Citizens Luncheon. They would serve them like school lunch food, which is like, okay. Sad. Yeah. Very sad. Like what? I'm so sorry. You guys had to do that. But then they'd have coffee and dessert out for them at the end of it. And I would sneak, I would drink coffee. Like how old are you in fifth grade? Not very old. And I would just pour all of the powdered creamer in there and like all the sugar (laughs) go on to class right afterwards. What's wrong with that? Oh my God. No, I loved coffee that much. My, my grandma Doris She's like a big, like, let's make some coffee, sit in the kitchen, smoke cigarettes. And I always wanted to hang out with the adults. So she'd make me a coffee too. And I became a coffee drinker at a very young age. (laughs) I probably could be like six feet tall right now if I hadn't had all that coffee. (laughs) Um, But you were very productive. So that's all that matters. I was. I was. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, all these people were hopped up on coffee and cigarettes and um, red meat and butter. And but they were still very small and petite. Everything was stunted. So by the time the '80s rolled around, once again, people were like, "Yeah, this these sizes maybe maybe not so great." If you've ever bought anything vintage or even used a home sewing pattern, you'll see these sizes come through where you're like, "Wait a minute the the listing is saying that this is matching my measurements, but it's." listed as like a size 20. Why is that? It's weird, especially when in the commercial patterns, when you're doing like a simplicity pattern. I've run into this many times where you're like, you do a double take at the mm-hmm. numbers. You're like, uh, there's no way, there's no way that could be true. And I've, I've made the mistake of like making something smaller because I'm just like, there's, there's no way. And then I, I cut the pattern, sew it up. I'm like, oh, there is a way. And that was the wrong decision to make. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, we, we realized in the 80s, like, okay, things maybe probably need to be updated. Uh, they, they went as far as to just basically toss them out and say, hey, let's start from scratch. Because, you know, it's the 80s. Everyone's on cocaine. Like, we're doing great. <laughs> we're, hey, we're great. <laughs> every, everything's awesome all the time. And, you know, we're driving sports cars and we have Aquanet and all that good stuff. Um, so they decided to just, like, throw it out. And this is kind of where the free-for-all carnival that we know as of today's sizing began. So it, it all, once again, we could just blame the eighties stuff happened. Then we don't want to talk about it, but our crazy <laughs> size structure basically was spawned from there because at that point the government was like, mm, standards don't really mean anything, which, you know, is true. Um, <laughs> and also they, they did recognize at that point that these standards were basically based on white women only. So mm-hmm. think about who would have been surveyed in the 30s and who would have been surveyed in the 50s, right? It's all white women. But um, to be fair, it was also the 80s. So they were like, not that that's a big deal. Yes. I mean, <laughs> NBD, it's there. I mean, the fact that they admitted that back then, impressive, right? We, yeah, I mean, I yeah. We should give them props for that. I um, mean, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but, but that is actually one thing, though, that I think is still – very much true with women sizing today is it's a very white statistical driven um, size range. Every brand that I have worked for, I'd say 97% of the time our fit model, which we'll talk about what a fit model is in a little bit, but our fit model was is white always. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Always. Everywhere I've worked, everywhere, always. It's always yeah. a white woman. Uh, sometimes I fit on for plus size. We've had a range, but primarily still white women. So that is a big point to make here. Is you know systemic racism is everywhere, and it also lives in your closet. Um, yeah, it's, it's based off of a white figure. Yeah, no, it's to- it's totally true. And I would say not only is it often or like almost always often is like an understatement, a white model, it tends to be a white model of Northern European descent. And so like it, yes. it's that can change body types as well too. Absolutely. It's the same reason why I would never be able to fit into Zara pants. My Eastern European hips cannot fit into the Western European ideal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. But yes, absolutely, white, European, and also a lot of times they like country music. I don't know. And they, they do yoga. Dude, both, both do yoga. Both are true. I don't <laughs> understand it. They also, there's a lot of the same hairstyle. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we don't, we don't want to make assumptions here, but we are. I mean, <laughs> yeah. mm. If you don't fit that, that mold, you still can become a fit model, but it just might be a little bit harder for you. That's all. That's all we're saying. They're also going to be young. They are probably not going to have ever had children. And I think that this is all important too because these are your age, whether you've had kids. These Mm -hmm. All of these things affect how your body is sort of formed. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So many things can go into that. And you're right. It's usually someone in their 20s if you're fitting for a contemporary brand even if your target market is slightly older, a lot of times you'll have a younger fit model. And then once you move into Missy sizing, that's when you'll get someone that's maybe a little bit more age appropriate for your clothing line. <laughs> but yes, in my experience, it's it's usually people in their 20s or 30s, mm-hmm. early 30s. People kind of start to phase out after a while. And you know, if you do have children, I know one fit model who came back after having kids, but obviously it changes your measurements, changes your body. So sometimes that would be uh, not ideal to certain companies. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's crazy because what do most women do? They have children. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that would be great to take into consideration. But um, like many other things in the garment industry, it's just we don't care for that because it's not sexy. You know, totally about that. Totally good. Totally. So. so can we talk about vanity sizing? Because this is a term that I hear thrown out there all the time that like, yes. oh, yeah, but that's vanity sizing. So I'm really a size two there or something like that. <laughs> 
Yes. So, I mean, vanity sizing is exactly what it sounds like, right? It's vanity. You want to be vain about yourself. So, uh, it's certain brands that will label their clothing in one size when you know it's not really that size. Uh, a great one that I can think of that um, my mother shops at frequently is Chico's. Uh, if you, if, if you've ever shopped at Chico's, which, um, you know, uh, she did buy me a coat from there for my 30th birthday a few years ago. And I was like, oh, this is how I know I'm getting older. I have something from Chico's. Um, <laughs> Next up, actually really- Coldwater Creek. <laughs> oh, God, no. Talbot. <laughs> Any one of those fashion companies that are based in Florida, you're next on the list. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> They have sizes like zero, one, two, two and a half. They do half sizes now in certain okay, things. Okay, wait a minute. Half sizes of these <laughs> sizes that are unique to them. Like why? Exactly. So that I mean, this is a great case in point of like what is sizing, right? If there is no standardization. So if you – like my mom is like a one in – in uh at chico's so it's like but what is that what like does she wear juniors clothing why is she a size one like what does that even mean um (laughs) so that's what vanity sizing is it's supposed to make you feel good about yourself you know you're you're really you're really a size 12 but at chico's you're a one so (laughs) oh my god that is so bizarre (laughs) to make you feel like a 10 right yeah yeah um but basically, I, I feel like that's exactly what happened in the 80s, right? When we threw out whatever was quote unquote standard before, right? If we were going up to size 42, who wants to buy a 42, right? So I think the consumerism of America also probably drove that to where we just wanted to make the customer feel good about what they were purchasing. So, you know, you, you hear all the time, like Marilyn Monroe was actually a size, whatever, you know, but it was just like the difference in sizing and what we called an eight in the fifties, obviously is like a double, triple zero. Now mm-hmm. um, there, there's really no comparison. You're comparing apples to oranges. So um, vanity sizing is out there. Sometimes it's uh, a little bit harder to see than others, but because we allow brands to kind of steer the ship, the fit ship to wherever direction they want to go, you'll find that at, at, you know, kind of all over the place. Yeah. So, okay. You know what you just made me think of when we were talking about the size one at Chico's, I was thinking about how juniors, I think junior sizing still exists, right? And it's odd numbers, yes. right? So it's like three, five, seven, nine, yes. eleven, and Missy's, I guess, sizing <laughs> is even. So it's zero, two, four, six, eight, yeah. ten. Why is that? Do you know? I have no idea. And I, you know, it's funny you said because as soon as I started talking about that, I was like, oh yeah, that's weird. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would just assume it was a way for my manufacturers to kind of differentiate. You know, junior sizing came about in the 50s when all of a sudden we realized, wow, we have this huge generation who is going to be, you know, buying and mm-hmm. wanting things, you know, mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, right? That's yeah. when we had. TV shows with, you know, music artists and everyone wanted, we started consuming things like we had never consumed before. So this whole like youth generation thing became a thing back then. And perhaps like, this is just a guess. My guess is just, they wanted to differentiate it from like what your mom was buying, right? These Mm -hmm. are different sizes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in the juniors department when you're buying these. I could be totally wrong, but that's my best guess. And I feel like you don't see it as often now. I think that like, we most places are either doing alpha sizing, so like small, medium, large, or they're doing two, four, six, eight, ten. In fact, you see so much yes. less numeric sizing than you used to. You know, more yes. more brands have fallen on the alpha, and I think that's because it's cheaper to make. It's cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper, cheaper, less mm-hmm. fittings. You just, you just yep. put in a little bit more of a margin of error and hope for the best. You um, so yes. it's cheap, but. Still, you can go places and get a vibe that they're using junior grading versus Mm -hmm. woman grading, if you will. And so things will run small. Like I think like Forever 21 was always one of those places where size kind of meant nothing. And you had to take like three sizes in the fitting room and just try them on until one worked. Or something I remember my mom telling me as a teenager, which does hold true for me, is that bathing suits run really small and you always need to just try (laughs) tons of sizes on. Like that's so random. Or how about wedding dresses you want to talk about some bonkers sizing it oh, makes God. no sense whatsoever yes. oh yeah 
Christ. And like, yeah, bridesmaids dresses, they always fall on the same thing where you're like, I don't, I'll never forget when I was getting measured for my wedding dress. And I'm like, okay, once again, I live with a tape measure around my neck. Like this is what I do. And she's measuring my hips, which are definitely the fullest part of my body. I'm, I'm kind of like a like pear shaped. Mm-hmm. So she's measuring my hips and like, this is going to determine whether or not this dress fits on me. Right. Like it can fit. I've got no boobs. I've got a really small upper body, but if I can't get these, these hips and this butt in that dress, then it ain't happening. It's so she takes a tape measure and she wraps it around my hips and doesn't give any ease. So when you're taking body measurements on yourself, pro tip, don't pull the tape measure taut. This is not how you should get your body measurements. You should put two fingers underneath the tape measure as you close it. And that way, you know, you have the right amount of ease, right? Because mm-hmm. you breathe, you move. If you were to like cinch this tape measure as tight as possible, you're not getting an accurate measurement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is exactly what she was not doing. <sighs> and she like read off my hip measurement and it was as a as a technical designer, I have kind of a Rolodex of my own personal measurements in my head. Uh, obviously, they fluctuate often, but um, she was way off, is all I'm going to say, is it was way off from what I knew my hip to be. And she was just like, oh, well, you know, you're going to, I'm going to order you this size. And I was like, uh, are you sure? Like, I don't think she's like, well, you know, I can measure you again. And I was like, yeah, actually, can you? Because I think you did it wrong. Oh my <laughs> like, god, I'm I am your worst nightmare in a fitting room because I know too much. Like, yeah, don't, don't even start, yeah. So. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about this idea that you're supposed to starve yourself for your wedding. And she was oh, probably, no, I really, please. I really thought she was going to say to you, like, yeah, but you're going to want to lose some weight, aren't you? Because <laughs> I feel like that's like a so like that's the expectation. Like when I. Yes was engaged leading up to the wedding. I can't begin to tell you how many people asked me if I was like dieting. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, Dustin already knows what I look like. We've been together for years. Like, yes, yeah. Fine. The jig's up, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, I'm not looking for a wedding to be the best day of like, of me, of my whole life, you know, like right. it's right. just another day. So anyway. Uh, Agreed. So one thing that has always driven me crazy, because as we've already laid out, like, the sizing for women's clothing is it's fucking bullshit, right? It's like, it, yes. it means nothing. Why is it that almost always my husband can buy mm. something in his size and mm. with the exception of H&M, whose men's sizing is a nightmare also, <laughs> it will fit him. Why oh. is that? You know, men get a lot of upper hands in life and this is one of them. Um, but the reason why their sizing is more standard is because they're more standard. They're not as unique and awesome like we are, right? <laughs> they're, um, you know, when you look at a woman's body, you always are looking at the proportion between your three measurements, right? Your bust, your waist, your hip. And men's sizing is the same way. But there is less derivation between man to man. Obviously, there are different quote unquote body types for men. Of course, we're not trying Mm -hmm. to section you off or simplify you guys. But as a whole, there is way more standardization between the chest waist hip ratio than there is with women. So it's a lot easier. Also, men's like traditional men's clothing. So you think of maybe the first thing that men were able to buy off the rack was probably a suit, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean, I'm so sorry, but at one point men were wearing suits in the the heat of the summer in New York City, you know, do, conducting business uh, in a, a three piece wool suit. But that's just how it was. Ugh. So, right? Oh God, it's 115 here today. So I just even thinking about that makes oh me gosh. want to just crawl in a, a dark, damp cave. But anyway, so right, they're buying suits. So suit measurements, if you've ever bought a suit jacket, it's based off of your chest measurement, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. It's the the number for the size is actually corresponds to a chest measurement. Instead of you just applying a size four to something, the men's suit jacket is a size 40. Right, right. right. And there's also like 40 tall and, uh, you know, different, different variations within those sizes, but they're based off of a chest measurement, right? Mm -hmm. So it's standard. You can't call like in women's sizing, 
a size four chess could be 32. It could be 34. It could be 31, <laughs> right? Depends yeah. on the brand. Yeah. But when men sizing, a 40 chest is a 40 chest and it might be a slim fit or it might be, you know, a, a regular fit, you know, it, that's where your variation comes in. But basically, if you have a, a size 40 chest, in theory, you should fit into that size 40 garment, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what's going on here? Yeah. A little bit more methodical um, and thought out, uh, but also it goes back to just there being less variation in those proportions for the body. Isn't Meredith like the best guest? (laughs) Thank you so much, Meredith, for taking the time to talk to us. And you know what? She'll be back in our next episode to talk about the fit process. It will give you an idea of just how much the fast fashion industry is skipping through to keep product coming faster and faster. It's kind of crazy, actually. And we'll talk about the challenges of extended sizing and why we think the entire industry is doing it so wrong. I just wanted to add something about the 579 store that Meredith mentioned. That was indeed a real store from the 60s through, well, kind of now, but mostly through the 90s. And yes, it really did only carry sizes 5, 7, and 9, and junior sizes at that. Like this was a store for teenage girls, and they were proud about it, you know, not trying to pretend they had this other, more worldly, sophisticated customer. 579 was purchased by Edison's Brothers Stores in 1970, and that was a retail conglomerate that acquired a lot of retail chains, including Wild Pear, which was literally my favorite shoe store in high school because they had like, well, they had it all. It was always on sale, and it included a wide selection of crazy platforms, square-toed, pilgrim-esque shoes, and Every variation of a Doc Martens knockoff, which was important to me as someone who saw really expensive Doc Martens and Nana and John Fluvog shoes and Sassy, but could never afford them or, to be honest, even track them down. So this was where I would go to get my shoes. (laughs) They also owned a store called Fashion Conspiracy, and I am unfamiliar with the store, but it sounds amazing to me. So if any of you are familiar with it or have some photos, please send them my way. If I opened a clothing store, I'd want to call it Fashion Conspiracy for sure. (laughs) They also owned a chain called Foxmore, which I remember my mom bought a leather jacket there when I was really little, but I can remember that it was a red and black leather jacket, not unlike something that Michael Jackson wore in the Thriller video. And they even owned Dave and Buster's. So they, and this was like just a small share of all the stores and, you know, Dave and Buster's type places that they owned. They declared bankruptcy in the late 90s. And, you know, interestingly enough, they basically blamed a change in retail shopping that customers were less interested in private label product, meaning like product that had the label that was the name of the store. And rather they wanted real national brands, you know, like Levi's or Genco or I don't know, Doc Martens, you know, they didn't want generic type clothes anymore. So they declared bankruptcy. It was all our fault, us customers. And they sold 579 to Rainbow Stores, which you're definitely familiar with this chain if you live in an urban area. They always have huge stores in the cities. I don't know if I've ever seen a Rainbow Store in a rural area, but it wouldn't be surprised me if they were trying to expand that way. And it's basically like really inexpensive clothing, but very trendy. Some 579 stores still remain, but if you go to the 579 website, it redirects to Rainbow. What a loss for our world. Okay, well, thank you for listening to another episode of Clothes Horse. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and maybe even subscribe. And please, tell a friend. Let's get more people to stop giving money to assholes. Do you have some feedback? An episode idea? Do you want to be a guest on Clothes Horse? Well, drop me a line at clotheshorsepodcast at gmail.com or you can DM via Instagram at clotheshorsepodcast. By the way, I know I say this every week, but thank you so much to everyone who's reached out, who shares our posts on Instagram, who sends me messages. Man, 
seriously, I am not, you know, I'm going to be really honest with you. My mental health has not been great for the past few months. And sometimes it's a lot worse than other times. And every time I hear from one of you, it like gets me out of bed and gets me back on the internet working on the pod. So thank you so much. If you can't get enough of podcasts, and I know I've been blazing through them during the pandemic, then check out my other podcast, The Department. I co-host it with my friend Kim, and it's a podcast about trends and taste, but it's so much more than that too. This week, we're talking about single-use plastic and the brands and products that are leading our march away from it. We're going to do so much shit talking about the plastic industry. Does that sound fun to you? If you're a conscious consumer, you're going to love this one. Also, thanks as always to Dustin Travis White for our music and audio support. Bye.